powerful service already. We expect the Lord to meet with us even more. It's a story that Carol and I have enjoyed telling people for over 20 years now. It's a story when Carol was driving up by Joliet. She was a student nurse at the time, and she was there up for some, some uh, meetings. But uh, Carol had a car that was uh, less than reliable. And uh, uh, she was up there making her way up there and her car would stop and she'd have to pull over and uh, then she would restart it. And eventually uh, it got to the point where it's happening more and more and more and she's up by Joliet and she decided that I'm just going to pull off here and make my way to a gas station and uh, call Brian and we can figure out what we're going to do. And, and so she made her way off of the interstate up by Joliet and uh, she came onto this exit her her thought was just go into this gas station and she was pulling off of the interstate off of the ramp there and going over the overpass when the car shut down again and this time now she is blocking all the traffic on top of the overpass and uh, she tried to start the car. It would start in the past. You just have to uh, uh, wait just a couple seconds and it would start. But this time it wouldn't start. Uh, nothing that she would do would, uh, would help that. And she just tried everything and it wouldn't start. And including sending up some emergency prayers that day. Uh, but that car remained dead. And it remained right there in the middle of traffic. And there were people there that were now trying to make their way around her. And they weren't very forgiving to Carol that day. Um, and because she, here she was in this old car blocking traffic in the middle of an overpass. When all of a sudden this man in a white car pulled up behind her and he got out and he came over to her window and Carol was fully expecting to get yelled at that day, but he calmly said, put it into neutral. It'll start and I'll follow you. And Carol thought, thank you. I've done that already. <laughs> I've already done that, right? And uh, um, so the man returned to her car and Carol did what he said. She put it into neutral and she turned the keys, vroom, started right up. Just immediately it started. And so she drove the car off of the overpass and onto the street that was leading to the gas station she saw. And she was watching in her rearview mirror this white car that was following right behind her, uh, making the turn with her. And then at one moment, Carol was uh, driving to the gas station and she'd look up in her rearview mirror, see the white car up there, drive. And then the very next second, she looked back up and the car is gone. It was, it was gone. There was no other road there. There was no place to turn around. There was nowhere for it to go. It was just gone. The car, the man, the car problems, all gone. And to this day, Carol and I believe that God sent Carol an angel on the overpass that day. Uh, and you may want to explain it away and say, so, well, surely Carol just missed him turning around, uh, but she didn't. There was nowhere for that car to go. There was no room for him to turn around. It was just gone. And we told that story many times since then, and is usually followed by a report of somebody else about their experience with the unexplainable. 
And every time uh, everyone uh, that's sharing those stories with us, and we give God credit for sending some sort of angel to rescue us. And you do this too. You probably have an angel story you, or you've heard that story. You've heard a testimony from somebody that has this angel story. What we don't do in Western civilization much is tell the other side of the stories. If angels exist, then what about the other side? What about the devil and his demons? Are they real? Do demons frustrate the plot against us? Do they make our life miserable? Oh, yes. Yes, they do. And they do so, so much more. Some would tell you that uh, demons are just the manifestation of our own design, that it was mankind who has made up all these things to explain away all of the bad things that have happened to us in our life. I don't believe that's true, nor do I believe that is biblical. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. In, in, uh, in his book, one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, wrote this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, he says, standing firm in your faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And so we started this series looking at Jesus and his miracles a couple of weeks ago. And we looked at uh, what we're going to look at today is a next part of the story of where we left Jesus and his disciples a couple of weeks ago. I want you to uh, go ahead and, and look at Mark chapter five, or it's in your, your handout there as well. It'll be on the screen. Mark chapter five. Two weeks ago, we started this series in Mark chapter four. And that's where we've uh, found our disciples in a boat with Jesus. And uh, Jesus had been on the uh, shoreline and standing in the boat and he was teaching and he was preaching and he told the disciples to get in the boat with him for we need to go to the other side. And if you remember the story, this furious storm came up and the disciples thought that they would die while Jesus was there still in the boat, but it seemed like he was taking a really poorly timed nap. And uh, Jesus did what Jesus did. Jesus told the storm to be quiet, to be still. And if we translate it into our words today, it was actually a little bit more forceful. Jesus told the storm to really sit down and shut up. Listen to me. And to the disciples' amazement, the wind stopped and the waves stopped crashing over the sides of the boat. And Jesus demonstrated that he had power over all of his creation and demonstrates to us that he has power over the storms in our life. But here in chapter 5, we see what was awaiting the disciples in Jesus on the other side of the sea. So Mark chapter five, starting at verse one, it says they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. 
This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he said, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and in the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting in the boat, a man, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This is a, it's an incredible story. It's an incredible narrative. Uh, it's something that if Hollywood ever wanted to capitalize on a, this amazing story, they wouldn't have to look any further than this one here. They could just borrow this one. It's a profound story, and I don't want to begin by making light of this story at all, but I have to imagine what in the world the disciples were thinking at this point. What in the world was going through their minds as they were watching all of this transpire? We have to remember that the disciples were a bunch of Jewish men. And there were certain things that Jews did not do. One of them was hanging out in a cemetery. There were strict laws against hanging out at the graves, at the tombs. Uh, the other was to have anything to do with an unclean animal such as a pig. So here they were. They had just made it to the other side of the sea. They had survived the storm of their lifetime. And when they arrived, they looked up and what did they see but a cemetery and a herd of pigs. Jesus, are you serious? What in the world is this guy trying to do to us? A cemetery and pigs? 
This is why we had to come to the other side. This is the reason why we went through that storm. And if that wasn't enough, out of the tomb walks a zombie looking dude. (laughs) And I have to think that Jesus was probably about ready to let out some inappropriate church laughter. You know what I'm talking about? When you start laughing, when you're not supposed to laugh, but Jesus didn't because Jesus is Jesus. If I was there, I probably would have started laughing as I saw all of those disciples face. Well, that is until this demon possessed guy walks up and all of a sudden he has all of my attention. But they're probably thinking, what in the world is going on here? Uh, And you, you know, you and I, we don't encounter this like this in this story much, do we? At least we don't label it as demon possession. Although I think that this happens probably a lot more than we realize. Most of us would say that we've never encountered such a thing. I have. At least once that I know of. I was pastoring in Rockford at the time. And after a service, a a couple came uh, just across the way with us to the parsonage. And they joined us for lunch. And it was about 20 minutes later and our children's pastor came running over to our home. And she was knocking on the door and I could tell something was bothering her. And she said there was a man that just walked into the church after everybody was gone. And she's the only person there. And she said, most of the time when he's speaking, I can't understand him, but he keeps saying that he has to meet with you. He has to meet with you. So Aaron, our friend and I went back over to the sanctuary where this man was already sitting in one of the pews and he was waiting for us. And I asked him what his name was and what he wanted to talk to me about. And he let out this absolute guttural noise a noise that didn't even seem human, a noise that I had never heard before in my entire life. And then he told us that he was being attacked by demons. Whoa. Now, most of the time, I probably would have tried to explain this away and say, well, this man is clearly suffering from some sort of mental illness, or maybe he has a drug addiction, but this was different. This is like something I'd never seen before. There was this deep, a foreboding sound that was coming out of this man. And so Aaron and I sat down in the pew right behind him and we placed our hands on his shoulders and we started praying for him. And we prayed forcefully and we prayed with authority. And all of a sudden this man stood up and he turned around and he stared at us. And I have to tell you, I thought this is it. I'm going to die right here. I thought, well, at least I'm in church. I thought he was going to shoot us. But in a clear, calm and very sound voice, he just said, thank you. And he walked out of the church. And Aaron and I then prayed that the spirits, that if we had released any spirits, if spirits were released from this man, that they wouldn't find a welcome host anywhere near. And this whole experience only lasted about seven or eight minutes long. But afterwards, Aaron and I sat there breathless. What in the world just happened. 
I imagine our shock was a little bit of the same of what the disciples were thinking that day. They just faced this terrible storm. And now this demon-possessed man comes out of the tombs and they witness the whole thing. They hear the, I am legion, everything. What in the world just happened? But then there's more. There's more to this story. In the middle of this story, Jesus gives the demons permission to leave this man and enter a herd of pigs. And if the story couldn't get any stranger at this point, here now we have an entire pork stampede where 2,000 pigs run down a hill and into a sea where they all drowned. So if the storm didn't get your attention, if this zombie guy doesn't rock you to the core, then maybe a whole sea filled with 2,000 dead pigs might do it. But these pigs and this possessed man can teach us a lesson uh, today. And so if you're taking notes, uh, they clearly demonstrate to us, number one, that Satan is a destroyer. These demons had already destroyed this man's dignity. They had destroyed this man's sanity. And eventually they would have destroyed this man's life if Jesus hadn't have been there that day. If Jesus hadn't have stopped them. Instead, they drive 2,000 pigs over the cliff, killing all of them. See, what we need to see here in this story is to Satan, this man is no different than a pig. Just another animal. And if we surrender our, our lives to Satan and to sin, then we end up living and dying like the animals. And Jesus said this though, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. So if you want instead a full life, then trust your life to Jesus Christ. Don't let Satan destroy you. Don't let the devil have the least bit of control, even over the smallest part in your life. Don't give him an inch, because if you give him an inch, he's going to end up taking nine yards. He'll ruin everything. We don't have to give Satan much of an opportunity, but if we give him just a tiny bit, he will jump in and he will take over. I found this story, it's a Haitian proverb. It was a story uh, that is told in Haiti. I'm gonna use it to illustrate maybe a little bit of what's happening here. It says there's a man that wanted to sell his house for $2,000. This is obviously in Haiti, not here. Another man wanted very badly to buy it, but because he was poor, he couldn't afford the full price. And so after much bargaining, the owner agreed to sell the house for half of the original price with one stipulation. He would retain ownership over one small peg that protruded over the front door. After several years, the original owner wanted the house back, but the new owner was unwilling to sell it. So first the owner, so the first owner went out and found the carcass of a dead animal and hung it from the peg that he still owned. 
And soon that house became unlivable. The flies and the rats that were attracted to the dead animal made living inside that house impossible. And the family was forced to sell over their home to the owner of the peg. See, Satan wants to destroy your house. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your spouse. He wants to destroy your kids. Now, there, there's a debate that would go on in uh, the Christian world, and um, I would debate it as well as to whether a Christian who belongs to God could be demon-possessed. But I will never argue against the point that Satan and his demons still want to destroy you, even if you belong to God. And maybe even especially because you belong to God. See, we see demon oppression all around us if we open up our eyes. The Bible also tells us that it is us, it is us who gives the enemy the opportunity to destroy us. Now, you might think, well, wait, who in their right mind would allow the, the devil to destroy them? Nobody would do that. But it's in the things that we do. It's in the sin that is found in our life that gives the devil an open door into your life. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.27, he says, leave no room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. When we allow the, the openings in our life, the devil feels like he has the right to take advantage of us and to come against us in those territories. But if we keep those doors closed, the devil will never be able to do what he wants to do. So number two, Satan is looking for a foothold in your life. He's looking for an open door in which to enter. And although we don't know a whole lot about this man that walked out of the tombs that day, we would know that at some point the devil was given a foothold into this man's life. And once he had that foothold, he took full advantage of it. So have you. Have you opened yourself up to a demonic influence, even through a, what you might think is a small act of rebellion or maybe unresolved anger? If you have, then I beg you, I beg you to deal with that rebellion. Deal with the anger before things get out of control. Deal with that before things get worse, much, much worse. I can't say this any clearer. Do not mess around with sin. It's time to seek forgiveness. It's time to repent. Today is that day. Sin is that peg on which the devil will gladly hang all of his garbage upon. The man named Charles Craft, and he says this, demons are like rats that are attracted to garbage. The problem is the garbage consists of the things like our pers persistent sinful behavior. He goes on to say, these are the issues for which we are responsible. But if we deal with them, when we get rid of the garbage, then the rats have nothing to feed on. It is easy to make them go away. 
It reminds me of a story in, in college in world history, a class that uh, I just sat through because I had to sit through it. But uh, there, there was a story that I still remember to this day. And it, uh, back in the 1300s, the Black Plague, uh, the Black Death was ravishing all over Europe. Uh, according to some experts, 60% of the population in Europe died. Millions of people died from that plague. Bubonic plague is still exists today, but the bacterium that causes it is now easily killed by antibiotics. The bacteria that causes plague was carried by fleas. The fleas entered the homes because they were carried on the backs of rats. And the rats were attracted to the garbage that they would find in someone's home or the grain that people stored inside their home. But there was a group of people in the 1300s that didn't have the death rates as everybody else. And for some reason, the Jewish population had half the death rate of anyone else. And the Jewish population, though, had very strict hygiene practices that they uh, now, historians, has accounted for their survival. So according to Jewish law, Jews were to remain clean. They had uh, uh, multiple times a day, they were supposed to wash their hands. They were supposed to take a weekly bath. That doesn't seem very often to me, but in the 1300s, it was customary that most people only took a bath once or twice a year. So the Jews also had a practice because of biblical law that they were required to remove all of the grain and the bread out of their homes. No food for the rats, no rats, no rats, no fleas, no fleas, no plague, no plague, no death. The lesson for us here is get rid of the garbage in your life. Get rid of the garbage in your life and you're going to get rid of the rats. I'm going to say it again. Quit missing around with sin. Get rid of the garbage. Ask Jesus to help you clean out the sin in your life. Then you won't have to worry about opening yourself up to this demonic influence, which will absolutely wreck your life. If you want a full and abundant life, don't let Satan destroy you and stop giving him a foothold into your life. So earlier this, this year, we started going through, if you remember back in uh, February or so, we went through that series called the Blood Covenant. And it was a powerful time together as we discovered that we are covenantal partners with Christ himself. You and I are covenantal partners with Jesus. So number three, remember that we are covenantal partners with Christ. If you remember back from that series, part of the covenant was exchanging our belts and our weapons with our covenant partner. And it represented that we were exchanging our strengths and our enemies with that person. And so if you are a Christian, you have the power because of that covenant over anything that the devil tries to throw at you. Jesus has given you, Christian, 
You have the strength and any authority that you need over all forces of evil. You, Christian, are a mighty force. And Jesus tells us in in Luke 10, he says, Behold, I have given you authority and power to trample on serpents and scorpions. And which includes the physical and the mental strength that you need and all abilities and over all the power that the enemy possesses. And nothing in any way shall harm you. Listen, friends, your house is not on lease. It is not being rented. It is not being co-owned by Satan in any way unless you have opened the door. It's time to get rid of the garbage that's hanging in your doorway. It's time to kick out the rats. It's time to pull out the peg that the enemy just loves to hang all of his lies and his garbage from. We're going to close our prayer today with a time of prayer. We have spoken about the fact that Jesus Christ has authority over nature and the storms in your life. And we learned last week that Jesus has control over all of the provision for nothing is impossible with God. And today, maybe we relearn that it's through your relationship. It's because of the covenant that you are in with Jesus himself that you have authority over the enemy and any power that he has over you. It is Jesus that has already won the victory over Satan. But we, as his covenantal partners, must maintain that victory on a daily basis. So yes, we're going to pray for deliverance of anybody that seems like you have that control of the enemy over you. But let's not forget the rest of this passage in Luke chapter 10. It doesn't just stop with what Jesus says about a power and authority. Luke chapter 10 verses 19 and 20 says this. I have given you authority to trample on the snakes and the scorpions and to overcome all of the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Verse 20. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names have been written in heaven. If you have called upon Jesus to be your Lord, if you have received his forgiveness for your sins, if you follow him, then your name is written down as a citizen of heaven. And that means your house is no longer co-owned. The devil has no lien on your soul. It has been bought. It has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. So take the peg off of the door that the devil keeps hanging his garbage on. Get rid of it. Allow Jesus to fill your life in every area. Completely surrender your life to Jesus in every single aspect. We're going to close our our service in prayer If you would like to come up, if you feel like you have just been beaten almost silly by our enemy, and Pastor Irene are going to meet you up here in the front. If you want to come up and have individual prayer with us, we want you to do that.
I'm going to pray for our entire congregation. That would be your opportunity to come forward. But after we're done praying, our band is going to come back up and sing a song that we learned a couple weeks ago called Your Nature. The nature of Jesus is that he has given us the authority and he is here to help out all of those that have found themselves bound by chains. Jesus can destroy and break every chain. So if you want to come up for individual prayer, we'd be glad to pray for you. Go ahead and come up while we're praying. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for what you are doing. We thank you, Lord, for the authority and the power that you have given all of us over the forces of evil. Lord, we know that you have already defeated our enemy. Victory is already yours. So, Lord, we speak the name of Jesus over all that is going through our lives. Lord, today we declare and we say that depression is just a name. Poverty is just a name. Addiction is just a name. Sin is just a name. But today, Lord, we speak the name of Jesus over it all. We declare, Lord, that you are the only one with victory. That you are the only one that is worthy to be praised. But Lord, in front of us today are people that are still continually battling you on a daily basis. It is time for us to make sure that we take away the peg that you have hung your lies and your garbage on too long. That it is time for us to come to you and to seek you, Lord, with forgiveness. To come to you and say, Lord, we have sinned and we have done wrong and we need you, Lord, to forgive us. That is our first step. But Lord, may we realize today that as we walk out of these doors today, that our house, whether it has a peg on it or not, is not co-owned. It is not under a lien. It is not under control of, our Satan, of Satan or our enemy at all. We have been bought with a price. We have been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we come to you today and we thank you, Lord, for what you are doing today. And we declare, Lord, victory over all of those that are fighting you. Lord, we know it is your nature to call upon all of those that are broken and bound. And today is a day that we would come and declare your victory over what Satan would want to do in our lives. Lord, today may it be a day where we walk out of this room different than when we walked in. For those that are watching online live or even months from now, Lord, may they realize that this is a day where we declare that Jesus is the owner of our house, that it is all submitted over to you. Nothing is hidden back and the peg has been removed. There is no room for the garbage of our enemy in our lives. So Lord, help us to do that. Help us to follow you. Help us, Lord, to fall in love once again with your nature and who you are. And we will give you all the glory and all the credit, Lord, for it all goes to you. Thank you for being a Lord who died 
and defeated our enemy once and for all. Victory is yours, Jesus. Victory is yours.